On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. How's it going, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Happy to be welcoming you back into another, I don't know, late July week. It's hot, where everybody's just trying to make their way through. Um, but uh, we are getting closer and closer to the Blue Jays returning home. We got the CFL kicking off in August. We got a lot going on. As you all know, Rob is away on vacation for some reason that has led me to Chris Hoffley to see if he would step in and co-host uh, this episode of the show. Not really sure what I was thinking, but uh, how's it going today, Hoff? I think I owed you this, right? Didn't from go see you the last time? Yeah. Wasn't that part of the deal? It was rude, eh? I'm doing tremendously well. I, I should point out that we're about 20, 25 minutes getting started here because of Matt's technical difficulties. But but mm-hmm. I want credit. I want credit because I've been sitting here looking at this beer that I have not opened yet. <laughs> so so you could get so you could get the can cracking this noise. Yeah. It's a great noise. This is always the juxtaposition we run up against on this show, eh? Is you know, we do it on Sunday afternoon, we sit down, we have a pint or two. Most people listen on Monday morning and probably feels a little early for a beer to them, but uh, I, I think that's all right. It's, uh, they'll that's make just called weakness. <laughs> so, uh, you're right, there was some technical difficulties on uh, on my end, so I, uh, I do apologize for that. But uh, we appreciate Hoff stepping in to take the, uh, the Monday roll. How's it been, man? How's the weekend going? Uh, we're going to ask you about what's been going on down at CFL camps and everything, but this is your first day off in pretty near two weeks, is that right? First day off in 14 days. Yeah, I've been back at back at the stadium for two weeks for Red Black's training camp. And usually at this point in a regular year, I'd be probably whining a bit about being tired. But while I am a little tired, it's been so much fun being back there and being back out on that field that I really just I can't I can't complain because I feel like a jackass if I do. It's been <laughs> it's been it's been really cool to be back out on that field and you know getting harassed by my media friends again and. Uh, not not you, not including you, uh, you know, other than you harassing me on my day off to do this. But no, it's been like there's so many people, there's so many people I haven't seen in so long in person that I'm going to, you know, going to hang out and work with again. So uh, that's been very fun. Well, you're right. You did ghost me there a little bit. It was a few weeks ago. It was at the new family cottage. Sent Hoff a video. And I just thought he was pissed off or annoyed with me because at the new, <laughs> uh, at the new lakefront there, the, the previous owners had taken the boathouse and turned it into like a games room. So we were sitting out there the one night watching the hockey game. And if you just turn your head slightly to the left, you're right there on the lake. So I sent that and, and a little message to Hoff saying, you know, this is how you watch sports. This is how you're supposed to. And he goes to me, he didn't answer. I figured he was just irritated with my, uh, me bragging or whatever, but, uh, no, he's had a lot going on. I finally responded to you after you called me out on Twitter for ghosting. I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) I'm just looking, I just scrolled back up in our messages. And I think probably the reason was because you sent me the screen or the video you sent me has the game on, but it's the Habs were losing. Oh yeah. Um, so at the time I was cheering for the Habs. We can get into why I feel kind of dirty about that later, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great looking spot, and I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I can't say I felt that guilty. It was kind of an oopsie, <laughs> but um, 
you know, here we here we are, and I'm making do. He did. Uh, he did I'm offer. Not, yeah. Talk to you. He sent me a message later on saying, "All right, uh, I'll give you an episode or whatever." So we saved it, put it in the back. And pocket. I've been wearing your and I've been wearing your hat around. When I don't wear a Red Blacks ball cap or a '67 ball cap, I have my my tall can audio hat, which is a very nice nice quality cap that you gave me the last time we were there in person. So um, I'm doing my part. Damn That's it. true. Spreading the good word. <laughs> So we appreciate that, man, and appreciate you doing this. Uh, we heard you crack something open there. What do you got today? I mean, you know, I'm going a little, like, I'm not basic, but just traditional. I'm going with a Mill Street Pilsner. Okay, nice. Yeah. I'm just kind of easing into my easing into my early evening here. So, you know, nothing too crazy hoppy. You don't want to get too nice, dinged uh, up on the day off, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just trying to be responsible. But, no, it's a nice, uh, nice, nice easy drinker from our... Our pals and Red Black sponsor. Uh, okay, I see how this is all going to work. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, this is uh, over here. I've got one that, uh, I don't know, makes me think of you a little bit. It's called Slightly Slanted, much like your takes on most sports uh, things. That I'm into here. But, uh, I also have bad posture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get to the bad posture IPA later on. But uh, this is the Slightly Slanted Light Lager. Um, so it's only a 3.8%, same thing, right? We're just kind of cruising through a Sunday here and uh, and keeping her on the rails a little bit. But this from the uh, Gateway Brewing Company up in North Bay. Uh, I think this, oh, oh, yeah, I think nice. this is the first thing I've tried from them. So uh, looking forward to that. But it is... Uh, it's, a great, it's a great name on that one. And, and beer names are important. Like it needs to be a good beer to back it up. But I just spent a few days uh, house and dog sitting for my dad, uh, not too far away from my own place while he was, he was out of town. And he always, you know, fills up the fridge with pints for me as you know what payment, i guess instead of instead of actually paying me he pays me <laughs> beer which is also fine um but he, he he basically just says hey i got you a bunch of beers that are colorful cans and have fun names and i don't know anything about any of them but how about it and he does a pretty good jo- he does a pretty good job usually ultimately so there's usually one or two weird ones that aren't really my you know like i, I have a hard time with the triple ipas on a hot day in the yeah, summer yeah. you know sitting by the pool and that kind of thing but um, no, he doesn't know anything about the IPAs, doesn't particularly like them, but he uh, he's a sucker for a good can, and I benefit. Okay, well, I recently went through something simple or similar when we were, uh, when I did send you that video from the lake, that was the first weekend at the family, the new family cottage, right? So I'd been down there for a few days, helping to empty out furniture from different places. This is going here, we're loading trailers, we're throwing shit, going to the dumpster or whatever, and was paid almost uh, exclusively in beer, and I'm always good with that arrangement, right? It works out pretty it's good. Totally, totally reasonable. Yeah, I stop and take a couple of beer breaks throughout the day. Luckily, my old man and I have similar timing for that. So it uh, works out pretty nice. A, a, a couple, he says in giant air Just quotes. <laughs> that, that term is doing some heavy lifting for sure. Six, six, is, six is not a couple. <laughs> no, I suppose it's not. Um, if you people haven't had a chance to check them out yet, I would recommend you go back and listen to episode 856. We had Canadian Paralympian Amy Burke back on the show. She's only weeks away from heading off to Tokyo, so uh, we had tons to get to with her. Uh, that is at tallcanaudio.com. And uh, just an hour or two ago, I uh, got confirmation from a longtime Blue Jays broadcaster and now writer mike wilner he's going to be coming up on the show here in the next week or two so if you're not subscribed wherever you're listening right now yeah we got lots of great stuff continuing to come all you have to do is get through this hoffley episode and we will return to the good (laughs) stuff uh pretty soon it's just it's just one hurdle in your otherwise (laughs) smooth listening experience Uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now uh we'll keep the good stuff coming for you why don't we start with the cfl that's what's been uh filling your days the, the camps across the league are open. We are inching closer now. We are inside two weeks from uh, kicking off the season. Um, just in general, what have, what's sort of your sense of, of camp been? You've been around there. The guys look, you know, re- excited, ready to go. Is there, um, you know, any sort of hesitation on, you know, damn, I've been off longer than I thought and, and this hurts again? Like, what's, what's it been like around camp? Only for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's been great. It's been you know very similar to other camps, other than the random little COVID intricacies here and there, like masks and and you know those most of the measures that you see you do, you don't see. It's mostly stuff in the locker rooms and how they space space guys out of meetings and that kind of stuff. So otherwise, it's pretty it's a pretty standard camp, and it's been you know ramping up in intensity for for the last couple of weeks you've had a good uh, you've had a few you know little wrestling matches with guys trying to 
get a little over intense trying to make the team. It leads to leads to the odd fun little scuffle, um, which is always you know a training camp tradition. Sure. And yeah, I think you saw guys shake you know shake some rust off early on for sure. Um, guys were training you know during the off time, but it's still not the same as getting actual actual reps on a on a football field with actual football players and not just not just training by yourself. So the second week, um, the quality really really improved, and then you saw. Um, a lot of good stuff you know, on uh, on Saturday with the scrimmage, first kind of inter squad game of camp. Had a few hundred fans come into TD Place that were loud, <laughs> and um, yeah, you're starting to see the the fruits of the of all the work going in right now. And um, you know, the defense is going to be is going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. I think in, in training camp, it's often the D that emerges faster just because of what goes into planning a new offense, and sure. you're starting to see that that cohesion now started to come together too. So all in all, I'm excited. Um, I'm, you know, just, I just can't wait. I'm a little stressed trying to get to opening night because I've forgotten <laughs> how to do half my, my game day prep. Um, so trying to, trying to sort all that out, but we'll be ready to, we we're fortunate that we, I mean, I think we're fortunate. I don't know how fans feel about it, but having our first, our home opener later in August and getting a couple games in on the road, um, kind of get a handle on ever, how everyone's doing things and, and giving us a little bit more prep time to make sure everything's sparkly and, and ready to roll. So yeah, starting first week of August on the road and then back, back home the end of end of the month and we'll be really three games out, isn't there on the road first? Yeah, we do two. We play two, uh, playing the, the newly minted Edmonton Elks. Yeah. Um, and then a bye week and then play, uh, the riders in Saskatchewan before we come back. So, um, a few weeks yet before we, before we get back home, but it's getting there. It's getting there for sure. And, and for people who haven't sort of been keeping tabs on it, the league actually put an emphasis on trying to start as many games as possible out West. Um, as mm-hmm. at, as at the time they were designing the schedule, Ontario was still a little bit of a shit show. We've sort of gotten things um, you know, in a far better place here now, but the, the idea was solid to start out West and, and get that in before coming back home and having those protocols put in place in Ontario and, uh, you know, Ontario now in a pretty good place. Uh, what is the count expected to be by the time you guys get home right now? It's set at 15,000. Is that right? You'll be able to host. Yeah. So that's another, that's another benefit to the later home start is that if we started now, say we had our, if we had our first game, you know, at the beginning of August, we'd be able to have 15,000 fans, in the building, but we're also optimistic that uh, it'll be higher than that by the time our opening night comes around, just because it is going in a better direction in, in Ontario and Ottawa and things are looking up and, and positive and um, that's just going to make it easier to, to lift some of those additional crowd restrictions and hopefully we'll be able to pack the place uh, on the 28th or, or very soon after that, if not for the first one, but it's definitely trending in that direction, but at least 15,000, which there's like a, a few hundred people at the scrimmage on Saturday and they were loud as hell. So um, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to have that many people back in there just getting hammered and screaming and <laughs> cheering. And I mean, nobody, nobody over drinks. That's no. not a thing. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, but no, it's like the party's back and the party is, is that's what Sherrod Baltimore said after the scrimmage. He said something like, this city's been on NyQuil and we're about to wake them up. <laughs> I love that, man. That's perfect. Um, what do you make of, you know, how has it looked in terms, there's been a ton of turnover, right, for this team, uh, some reti- and for a lot of teams, really. A lot of retirements, a lot of guys choosing not to come back. Um, man, it, it, in some places, uh, Saskatchewan, I believe it was on, or was it Edmonton or Saskatchewan? Day one had three Achilles blow in, in, inside. I think of, they had, I think they had four. I think it was Sask. That I was, think it, and then they, Incredible. The Alouettes had two, had Jeez. two as well. Like it's just it, that that was scary. That made everyone a little, yeah, uh, I bet, a little freaked out at, at heading back into camp. But fortunately, for I mean, we we've had our share of bumps and bruises. The yes. guys getting banged up, like you would in any camp, but um, nothing major. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still learning some of the new guys' names. There's <laughs> a lot more than there usually are for sure. And yeah, like you said, it's a byproduct of everything that's happened. And, you know, I've had my heart broken a couple times in the off season by guys retiring. Um, some really good dudes like yeah. Brad and. And Alex and Teus and you know JP Bullduke and some guys that I've really I you know I've worked with for a bunch of years and gotten to know and are really really good humans. So it sucks to see them um, leave, but you know I also totally understand the the reasonings for all of them. And it's a it's a tough game. It's tough when you've been off for a year and a half, and you know some of these guys are going on to bigger and better things. And mm-hmm. Brad's going to be a fishing boat captain someday, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And 
Um, he's just living living a life right now on his boat with his family. So I'm gonna look uh, out that. I'm gonna look out that door down in the Corthas at the new cottage one day and see him floating by and wave him in for a pint or something. Be, <laughs> exactly. And, well, a bottle yeah, of wine, he, maybe. Well, <laughs> a bottle, a bottle of red wine, and he, <laughs> you know, not too picky on type, but he, as we heard on this on this program before. Exactly. So. Give me. Uh, let me put you to the test. Then you're still getting to know some of these names. Give us a name at Red Black's camp that. You know, is, is a guy who's coming in maybe a little under the radar, um, maybe an opportunity has opened up that he didn't expect due to a retirement or something like that. Just a name that, that you've been keeping an eye on going, oh shit, like that guy, man, looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like there's some guys like uh, like a Dan Peterman who I didn't really know anything about um, as a receiver who who came in. He's been in Winnipeg previously, and so he's got a guy that played, has played a bit in uh, coach. Uh, Lapalisa's system so there's that familiarity which has given him a bit of a a bit of an inside track and he's getting some first team reps and he's looked he's looked solid um nice guy getting you know uh, getting getting to know him a guy like um like Micah Awe I think our our linebacking core is going to be just ridiculous this year and a guy like 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 uh, Micah Awe just kind of adds to that and you're looking with you know Don Unamba coming in he's He's a vet, but first year red black. We're we're number zero for the first time. In, <laughs> you love that in red blacks in red blacks history. <laughs> love that. Um, and going again, going up with guys, other linebackers that have been here before, like Avery Williams and and Gerard uh, Gerard Fernandez. So it's they're going to be um, a really violent, mean group of of guys that are going to be hitting a whole bunch. So um, and then like some of the rookie quarterbacks have looked good. You know, guys that are fighting for the for the third spot. Um, two young guys and. And Caleb Evans and Taryn Christian, who have who have had a lot of uh, a lot of chances in camp too to show what they've got, and they've shown some flashes of you know guys that have big arms and athletic ability, and but are still learning the Canadian game. So there's that element too for a lot of these these newbie Americans coming in. But <laughs> try to wa- try to watch a little bit of every position every day and see what happens. The O line is going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, got with you when you lose a guy like Alex Mateus, who's yeah. your your anchor there at center. Um, they're, they're looking at some different options. there. brought in some, some more guys, guys like Mark Cordy, who's, who's been here for a couple of years now. He's gotten some reps at center to see how that goes. And, um, that'll be a work in progress. There's, you know, maybe the chance that we start an extra American than we would usually on the, on the O-line. So we'll see what happens there. And then two guys that are back that hadn't been here for a couple of years. I was really stoked to get back, um, in Abdul Kane and, uh, and Cleon Lang, um, two more just huge additions to the, to the to the defense that are um, just solid, solid players. And, you know, Kane was the great cup hero for us in 2016 mm-hmm. with his, with his late tackle. So seeing <laughs> those guys back, back in the proper jerseys and then just like Argos, Hamilton <laughs> crap. Nonsense. Um, no, don't want any of that. So we got them, we got them back home. So yeah, it's shaping up. I think uh, offensively there's been the most changeover and that's um, where things are still lining up, but it's coming together, got another week here of kind of camp, like, camp like practices and then it's really go time getting ready for week one well for the good listener here didn't tell Hoff didn't uh, prepare him for whatever we'll see how inside he's prepared to take us here should we be worried about Matt Nichols who so far in the last few days anyway you know we're not seeing a lot out of pretty limited reps in a few places um what's what are you prepared to tell us about where Matt Nichols is at right now he is going to be good to go. Okay. I would be shocked if he's not the day one guy. Um, I don't want to call him old, but he's older. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's had well documented injuries in the past and a, and a shoulder injury before uh, before the shutdown. So there is, you know, if there's a, a guy like that who's played that much, and if he has a little bit of soreness in his arm, um, you know, at a you know early in camp, it's not from a coaching standpoint. From what you know, they've said, it's not a huge worried to not have him throwing you know getting these reps in that he's from so familiar with so he'll get you know you'll see a ramp up i think for him in the next week over the next week as they start to get him back into to the main rotation but no i think it's totally fair that fans worry when they see stuff like that it's um when you see your favorite team's starting quarterback not fairly you know, doing what you expect him to do yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't begrudge them that at all i would be as if i'm if i was just a fan watching i would have some questions too but um you know he's what people probably don't see because there we unfortunately can't have fans of practice right now is that he's not matt hasn't just been a bystander of practice like he's been he's pretty much involved in everything that goes on from from drills to to plays it's just he doesn't he's had less fewer throwing reps in, in right. the last week or so so he's not just uh 
he's not just hanging out and watch like if, when the guy's hurt and he's not in gear, you know, he's in, he's in his whole gear and doing his thing and helping the younger guys and, and giving them a chance to get their reps. And so bottom line, he's all right. Nothing to, nothing to be overly concerned about. And I'll put a beer or two on him being the guy for, for opening night. I would be really surprised if, if that's not the case. All right. Well, that's good to hear. We like to hear that. Um, I want to take you inside one last thing here on the red blacks before we move on to, uh, we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some Olympics. we got lots of stuff going on right now, but want to ask about this video that uh, that you guys put out revealing your schedule. And for those who missed it, we'll, we'll post it <laughs> in all the usual places. But, uh, you know, this featured a couple of guys trying some hot wings, getting hotter as you go, week by week, unveiling the schedule. What goes into something like that? Obviously, this came out on the day that the league unveiled the schedule. So, obviously, the teams <laughs> had a little bit of advance notice and were able to put something like this together. But... If it wasn't you, tip a cap to someone who was involved in, in putting that together and just kind of, you know, what you know about how the idea and how it all came together. Because it was a pretty fun way to reveal the schedule. It's one of my favorite things that we've done in a little while. And I won't take any credit. The only credit I'll take in this is that our video guru extraordinaire, Josh O'Connor, who joined us kind of right as the pandemic was starting and a loyal listener um, to this podcast, I might mention. Yeah, absolutely. Just a, just a great dude and an even, I was going to say great dude and even better videographer. Great videographer, even better dude. Anyway, sure. he's all, all around stand-up lad. And he's, you know, the only credit I will take is that he, he had he had this idea. He shot it with Pruno and Lewis Ward, and it was awesome. And he sent it to me basically to be like, watch this. Like, tell me if you think people are going to dig it. <laughs> and so I watched it. It was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, people are going to really really like this and i'm like there's going to be some of the you know some older the older generation that probably haven't seen hot wings before but even if you haven't seen it and don't really get where it came from it's still friggin' hilarious it like is. it's, it's week just by such week, a unique they're getting way hotter. week two it's month yeah, it's so by week 15 i'm sure 14. there's people and you're just dying <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's people that saw it and just thought it was a funny thing eating eating wings but like he nailed the hot wings look and the vibe and the graphics and like how it's like the, the cuts and the editing it was it was so so well done and it yeah it, it hit pretty well and and people loved it and the actual hot wings people didn't sue us yet so <laughs> uh thank you for that um but he like you're seeing more and more stuff that he's that he's putting out that we've been working on as a, with the team and you know, just the video that he put out on Twitter. We put it out on Twitter from the Red Blacks account yesterday after the scrimmage of, you know, the the guys running out onto the field or yes. drone footage from practice that we're, we've never really done before. So it's really, uh, he's a super creative guy. We've got a really creative bunch of people in that, you know, it's a small, small but fun team and people throw in ideas all the time. And the Red Blacks social has, team is tremendous. Like, I don't know who all is so behind good. that, but the, the content that comes out is, is amazing. Like... Yeah, we've got uh, Haley Davis is uh, is kind of running running the ship on the social side. Um, we just hired a guy named John Halpenny, who's who's a young young, young up and coming social media guy, and Kenzie Scott is our uh, is our marketing boss on that side, and she kind of keeps them all to, all all in line and together. And yeah, Josh just we just let Josh go. It's like you have ideas, do your ideas, and we can look at them after. But I don't want to. I don't want to rein somebody like that in at no. all. So he just works. Co- he works constantly and, and comes up with some really good stuff. And the players really like him, and that helps so much when you're that close to them and trying to get um, original content to be comfortable with the guy shooting it. So that was really cool. And yeah, we were we were pretty psyched with that one. Well, we'll post the video in all the usual plays in case you missed it. Um, it's it's worth checking out. It's it's really fun. Uh, one of the first times you were on, you mentioned that. One of the uh, things that falls apparently in your job description was having to go up, uh, for those not familiar with Ottawa, there's a condo building that overlooks the field. And there was someone who was uh, taking video from uh, their balcony, essentially, of Red Black's practices and walkthroughs and stuff like that. And I guess at one point it was your responsibility to go up and try and uh, confront or put a stop to or whatever. I can't remember what it was called. It was like red blacks from the sky or something like that. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things early on that started like with my first year and I was, I was new in 2016 and yeah, we had this and he's still there and he's a, he's a good guy. Well, that's why I was friend. bringing this up. I was going to ask if he had returned now that practices yeah. have returned. <laughs> he's, he's there and red blacks fan from above. And he, um, <laughs> you know, the only issue that we had early on that we, we addressed and you know, came to, and I was, I'm actually, I'm supposed to get back to him to see what, if he wants to 
wants to work with us on a couple of things from that vantage point, nice. which I think would be, would be cool too. But yeah, the conversations were basically, and it, it came from the football ops and who are notoriously more paranoid than the rest of us sure. is basically saying like, saying like, you know, we don't want you to be filming when from an aerial view and you're running through like formations and full sure, plays. Yeah. What we're going to do. Um, you, you, right. So you just don't, you don't know who sees that stuff or where it gets, when it gets posted. So it's just, you know, an abundance of caution, but also recognizing that, that's his house and yep. that's his view. And um, <laughs> like, there's only, there's only so much you can do. We had a few good laughs about it. I think Marcel at one point was ready to rent a balloon and just like anchor it to the ground and float it right in front of the <laughs> building when we were, you know, when we were, when it was like the day before a big game or whatever. And it was, it never, it was a was couple a huge, huge flags on that corner of the field block in his view. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the end of the day, there's nothing you can really do. Like there's, there's people that rent their units out there. So you like, you, you really can't control who's no. going to be watching another window. But if you see someone do it, you're kind of like, hey, you know, you can take pictures of the drills. You can, you know, guys warming up, running around, but just, you know, stay away from the, <laughs> when they're running the actual plays and you get the bird's eye view. It just, and he, and he got, and he got understood because he's a Red Blacks fan. He, yeah. You know, I don't need like, to be giving things away before my favorite team <laughs> yeah, plays. Well, <laughs> right, so. But it was one of those in my introductions to this league being like, no, oh, that never would have occurred to me. But, all right. <laughs> Um, there's a lot going on right now, man, especially for this time of the year. Uh, we just wrapped up the NBA finals, Stanley cup just wrapped up. We got free agency coming. They just had their draft. The Olympics is underway. This is a weirdly busy, um, summer or end of July. Um, mid July, mid July is not usually this. Rich no, like thing, exactly. So. so there's a ton going on. I wanted to ask you, um, we've talked a little on this show about the Olympics and whether or not it should be going on and all these things. And I had kind of said all the way through that it seems like a pretty terrible idea to me. And so I hadn't had that sort of feeling leading up to them that, that buzz, right. That I can't wait to all of a sudden for two weeks, become a yeah. diving expert or, you know, whatever normally goes on with the Olympics. And that had sort of rung true for the first couple of days. There had been some games, uh, the women's soccer team got underway before the opening ceremony with a draw against Japan. Um, and a, I believe now a win against Chile. I didn't watch either of those. Like I didn't watch any of the opening ceremony. I just felt like this just doesn't feel right. And then Saturday came along and Saturday night was going to be the four by 100 women's relay in the pool. Penny Alexiak, we had a good shot at a medal. And I suddenly found myself as hypocritical as it is going, I probably need to turn that on and, and, and just see what's going to happen there. And I did. And it, it turned out to be a great race. Canada claimed silver and, um, it was Penny Alexiak. Canada was fourth when she went into the pool she overcame again like she did in Rio and brought them up to a silver. The Aussies just dominated. Nobody was catching them. But it was my first sort of crack in the armor. Like there is still something, no matter how stupid of an idea this is, there's something that, you know, when there's a chance for a Canadian to get a medal, they kind of can sometimes break you down a little bit. I wonder as this is approached, what you're, and, and maybe you're just too busy with camp running right now, but how much this has been on your radar and how much you kind of plan to, to take in or whether or not you're sort of, you know, keeping it at a distance this time. Where are you at on the Olympics right now? So I look at it this way. I, I, I agreed with you, uh, but now that it's on, like I'm, I'm just kind of taking the stance that like, I'm not going to, you know, what's complaining about it now going to do. Right. Um, so I, I very much feel like now that they're there and these athletes who have put so much into getting there and competing there, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all in, in terms of cheering for Canada, like I would be in any international competition. Um, and I hope we continue or, you know, keep kicking ass and winning medals. Um, <laughs> cause it's happening now. I just, you know, it's, it, it's on, it was, it was poor poor idea and a, and a really bizarre set of circumstances leading up to deciding to go ahead with it but it's happening now and it's there and i hope canada does awesome and i love turning on the tv and seeing whatever random sports that i only passionately think about for this <laughs> period of time every four years like i was watching some of the, the gymnastics today and there was this this woman whose name is going to escape me now but um she's a 46 year old use becca uh, yeah, this is her eighth Olympics, I think, right? From Uzbekistan, and it's her eighth, eighth yeah. Olympics. She's 46. And, like, holy crap, is she, like, a powerful, powerful gymnast. Yeah. And I guess the vault that she competed in was is even named after her. Oh, wow. Um, 
just because she's, you know, it's eight Olympics. And apparently after like her fifth Olympics and everyone since she, she says this is her last one and she's retiring. So maybe we see her when she's 50, that would be something. <laughs> and then like the guy from, uh, from Tunisia who won the one in the, in the swimming was just, you know, it was their Tunisia's second medal ever. And, um, you know, it was just such a huge moment for that kid who's like 18 years old. Yeah, no, and you're totally right. Like it's it gets harder. It's it's really easy to take these big moral stands until it's like right there in front of you. You're like, oh, but I really want to see how Penny's going to do this time, or Andre de Grasse is coming up, or the Canadian women's soccer team, or basketball. I really want to check out the Canadian women's basketball team. Right, like this is their chance to totally. to break it's, through. It's and like you can't. It's weird to see no you know spectators, and I feel for the the Japanese people that are you know have had to contend with you know so much COVID and so much uncertainty, and they you know are essentially barred from their own Olympics. And what that can you know what that's doing to the tourism industry there yeah. is is super tough. But um, you know there's nothing to we can do about it now except you know support support the people and hope for the best that you know they don't have any major COVID outbreaks and everyone comes back in one piece. No, I think that's right. Um, did you get a chance to watch the swim on Saturday night? Just on the highlights after the fact, but it was amazing. Yeah. And the fact that those those women have known each other, I think Penny Alexiak was saying since they were 10 years yes. old. And they've all grown up together and swam together and then to be on the podium with each other and watching them get their medals was was the best thing ever, you know, with the, I guess, COVID rules, the 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 Olympic person's not putting the medals on them. They hand them, then they then they, each of the women put them on each other. I thought that was one. amazing too, right? You're you're so right. It, it it turns out now they're not doing the the flowers and the handshake and the medal where they put it around your neck for the COVID reasons. So when you receive a medal, you you've already got it, and when it's your turn, you put it on yourself. Is what we had seen through the first couple single sports and watch the team turn and put them on each other. Man, like. You're never going to see that. It may be for all the countries that win, but I still think that kind of thing is the most Canadian thing ever, and I love it. Maybe. that You're right. This is the first time I'd seen it, right? It was the Canadian girls do it, and maybe they're all doing it. I, I have no idea. But in this sort of weird COVID world, you're like, that's a nice touch, right? Like, that's kind of a cool way to get around this horrible thing that yeah, we're all trying pretty, to ignore you're pretty dead you're pretty dead inside if that doesn't you know <laughs> charm you uh, at least a little bit because it's you know it is it's so much and these and these athletes don't get the attention they deserve no. for how good they are what they do um unless you're one of the biggest biggest names in international competition and, and even then um and especially for for female athletes so to see see them on that stage and getting the love that they deserve and people you know just being proud of their their country men and women i always love that that's what i love about the olympics well it's interesting you point that out right they do say that something in the neighborhood of like 80 percent of the medals the canada is expected to contend for will come on the women's side that's just where our country sits right now it's it's the ladies carrying the load right so um that was cool to watch um i did sort of i think for me as far as this goes during the olympics in the past i would probably um you know you just flip on CBC by default throughout the day and, and see what's happening and watch the Olympics. I don't think as we go along, I don't think that's going to happen for me um, as much, but there will still be those moments or those big events where I, I can't help my cynicism, right? I'll, or, or despite my cynicism, I will put it on. <laughs> just got to push it down for a little bit. And exactly. Just, yeah. Right. And, and so I think the, now the timing sucks. They're almost on the exact opposite side of the world. As I think Canada's first women's basketball game is at 4 a.m. That's going to be a, that might yes, be a PVR kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm supportive, but I have my limits. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what else, you know, as this thing moves on, what are sort of your big uh, summer Olympic events that you will be kind of keeping an eye on or looking forward to? Well, I love stuff like I, I like that I have friends that are there that are kind of like journalist friends that are in Tokyo covering um, the games right now. And that's, you know, another reason why I'm, you know, excited for for people like, these reporter friends of mine, you know, it's a huge deal in their careers to be able to go cover an Olympics. So I love seeing what they're covering, whether it's, you know, any of the track stuff or is, or water polo. A good friend of mine is there uh, for Radio Canada in French covering covering water polo. And so I got into some of that. I that love that. Vicious. It seems like the hardest, hardest sport ever. Well, and you um, talk about like in the the Stanley Cup playoffs, like I can't believe you're allowed to hook and like they're trying to drown each other in this sport. Yeah, it is incredible. Like, just the effort it takes to stay, you know, 
swimming yes. for that long and <laughs> play a game that's that intense. Um, and then, of course, like the soccer. I'm always, I, I always want to see what the uh, Canadian women's soccer team can do yeah. at the, on this stage, and especially you know getting down to the. Well, we think the towards the end of Christine Sinclair's yep. career, but she may well go forever. <laughs> um, but you know, scoring right off the bat for her and showing that, yeah, hey, hey, don't, I'm not done yet. Yep. Um, I, you know, I love, I love watching watching that team play, and they always do something exciting. So, uh, yeah, I like to dabble, dabble in and out of things. I, you know, I, I end up watching things like gymnastics, which I never think I have any interest in, but it's almost mesmerizing what these what these athletes yes. can do. And you're like, and I watch a lot of the, a lot of it going. Like I would hurt myself so badly if I just tried that. Even like the most basic one of the moves that they just did. Well, and this is um, it. I, I did talk about this not too long ago with a friend of mine that like the Summer Olympics seem, you know, more relatable. Like I could go out and run a hundred meters. I it'd take me thirty seconds or forty seconds or whatever it would do. <laughs> but I could do it. Right. I could picture myself. I could swim. I could do a dive. I could. Not even close to, but that's kind of the appeal is these things that in theory you could go and try for yourself and then you can relate to it like, oh man, like they did it in a quarter of the time it would have taken me or whatever it might be. Whereas some of the winter Olympic sports, like the, the half pipe snowboard, you're just like, I, I would just shatter my femur I, on the first spin. I would never, I wouldn't make it up. Like I would go up the wall the first time. Yeah. And just, that, and yeah. that giant slalom or the moguls, like the ski jumping shit. You're just like, no, I would literally no. just die and disintegrate when I hit the ground. What I really hope is that that, well, that's a big part of, you know, the Olympics and every, you know, winter or summer and every time they happen is, there's always a surge in kids signing up for these a lot of these sports because they've been watching them yep. for for a couple of weeks. So I hope that still happens. It's, you know, sports are coming back and organized sports for kids. So I hope I hope there's enough interest still that now that the Olympics are happening, the kids you know there's still some kids out there that say you know I want to be a pole vaulter. Sure. Because like you know not everyone's going to go wants to go into hockey or nope. or soccer or team sports. And there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff that you see at the Olympics that you would not otherwise think about. So. There's always um, that. Synchronized, synchronized diving is insane. Yes. Like it's just, you know, again, something that would not that the ability to do body. that dive yeah. is insane. Oh, yeah. And then to time it perfectly with someone else, get out of here. Like there's no oh, yeah, shot. I'd just be belly I'd be belly flopping all over the place. When, <laughs> Big when, double cannonball, you and me. Not be <laughs> yeah, no. Um there's always that one night right towards the end. I think it's usually the Saturday night before the end of the Olympics that has the big finish to the track events, right? Your hundred meter dash, um, your two hundred meter, the four by one hundred. That all comes towards the end. That's always can't the big miss. Marquee ones, yeah. That's yeah. always that's always great. And Canada's had so much success over the years and in that realm. So I'm into it. I won't. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I'm not going to sit there for eight hours and watch watch it all. But I, I like to dip in, and I like having the option of dipping in and in and out, or going out for a drink and seeing that you know it's guy. It's now that you can go to bars again. It, you know, <laughs> I choose to. I got my little neighborhood pub here. Sure. Um, you know, pop in there and you always have some, whether it's a re, I don't mind. Like, if I haven't seen it already in the middle of the night, I don't mind watching it on the replay. No, exactly. I'm like a hockey game. Like, I won't ever watch a no. recorded hockey game. I need to see that live. But this is, um, this is different. It's Olympics, baby. It's true. So, uh, you know, whether you're hard, cynical against this, whether the flag always sweeps you up, hope you're enjoying that. Uh, like I said, if you're big into this kind of stuff, I would check out episode 856 with uh, Team Canada's Amy Burke on our show. And she will be back once more, one more time, just with that final prep, that final push before the Paralympic Games begin. So you can check that out as well. And I hope people do keep that enthusiasm when the Paralympics do get up and going. It always kind of ends up taking a bit of a backseat. We don't pay quite as much attention, but those athletes are busting their asses just as hard. So uh, towards the end of August, we will be keeping people up to date on on certainly how Amy's doing, but just in general, a lot of Canadian Paralympians. So stick around for that. And, and when it's on, give it a look, give it a shot. So, um, man, interesting week in hockey. Um, the NHL draft went on Friday night. It's the world's least entertaining zoom call <laughs> at this point. Drafts are never that interesting and they managed to make them even less interesting. That's <laughs> true. Um, Saturday's second through seventh rounds somehow ended up taking from like seven, eight hours when normally it's like three or four. I think when you're at these events in person, it goes way faster because everybody's like, I got a flight to catch. When you're just sitting there on a Zoom call, people are taking the Buffalo was first up 
on Saturday morning with the first pick in the second round, and they had three minutes to make their selection, and they used every bit of that three what, minutes. What is that? Like, what I feel did like you do today? Like, how did you not know you were going to be first, right? Like, um, So it's a shitty setup in that regard, but uh, we got through it. Lots of trades, a couple of, you know, not so good uh, selections the way the first round ended. Um, we can touch on anything you want here to start, but kind of what was the headline for you walking away from the weekend? The headline for me was I love the Sens draft, not necessarily because of all the players that were picked because I don't know well, any of them that well, frankly. but um, I just like how it pissed so many people off in Sens fan land. And like, it's just like the, hey, the, like scout hating, the scout hating, the I like it when it happens with any team. Like people just go completely insane over something that like, who the hell knows how this is going to be play Especially out. Especially this year. From, well, exactly. And from what I've read about Boucher, um, Ottawa's first pick is yep. like, like it's, I love that kind of player. And if Brady Kachuk's happy to have a guy like that <laughs> on the team, I'm, I'm here for it. I want to have the Bad Brothers like... 2022 you know, sure. that was awesome to me so when everyone's just suddenly just so full of rage you're like okay well you're fans and that's your right but like let's just like let's just see how it plays out a little bit here guys yeah Ottawa's first two or three picks were all a little bit off the board and in, in terms they took them ahead of where some of the experts had them slotted but everybody I thought knew going into this that this would be the least consensus draft that we've seen in a very long time. The OHL didn't play this year. Many leagues barely played this year. You were going to be taking guesses on guys from like a year ago, the last time you saw them play. And so I have no idea whether Ottawa's picks were super insightful or terrible. We'll find out as we go, right? And I love going off the board on these things. I think it's it's way more entertaining than picking... You know the consensus, whoever like unless and like unless there's you know a generational talent or whatever, fair enough. But yeah. um, in a mixed bag, like a bit of a crapshoot draft like this one, like take a few risks. Yeah, why not? Shoot your shot. No, I totally agree. Seth Jones ends up in Chicago for um, a kid named Boquist. He's a very good defensive prospect. Mm-hmm. A couple of first round picks, and then Chicago immediately locks him up to an eight-year deal at like $9.5 million. It's a ton of money. Um, it's a big name for a long time. Chicago, for a couple more years, still has Kane and Taves at $10.5 million as they're, I guess, rebuilding? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what they're doing. What did you make of of Seth Jones to the Hawks? Uh, yeah, like that's, an, that's another weird one for me because I le- legitimately don't know which direction the Hawks are heading. Yeah. And that just proves it more. Like you said, like you've got these like kind of aging superstar. I hate calling guys that age old because <laughs> they're younger God, than but, me. <laughs> I know, but like, they're, like they are. And so I don't know. I think Seth Jones is, a, is an excellent defenseman, but I feel like you need Chicago needs. Probably Boquist and those two first round picks. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And you're talking about. Um, you know, it's been a really, some of these trades have just like, they've been head scratchers, right? And like, like, like the Sabres sending wrist line into Philly for that, like, yeah, just clay and a bunch of pitch. I, I think Buffalo did great right there. Yeah. Oh, I think it was a stroke of brilliance. I think Philadelphia was smoking the, smoking the good stuff <laughs> while they were, while they were wheeling and dealing. But, um, again, like that's, I like this stuff. I like head scratching trades, even if I don't understand them, but um, I don't know. I wish Ottawa had done a couple more things, you know, but they may have been the best ones by not doing anything given the price for people flying around at draft time. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, and then, you know, well, we can start shitting on the Habs whenever you want, but then that was obviously another um, significant, unfortunate headline for me. So um, we end the first round with Montreal selecting a kid who actually had asked to not be drafted this year because he had been charged with a, 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 you know, a sexual crime of posting or sending around a picture of a woman um, engaged in a sexual act that she had never consented to. Um, he's been charged with that crime over in Sweden, um, despite being... Which accused. apparently is only punishable by a fine in Sweden. That's a whole Weird. other problem. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he was a London Knight, I guess, but didn't play there because the OHL didn't play. So he puts out a thing um, a few days ago saying, I haven't earned the right to be drafted. 
Um, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a privilege, all these things. Whatever you make of his statement, I think the idea was correct. You are not ready to be drafted into the NHL. You haven't earned that privilege. You should have to suffer some sort of penalty for for what you've done. And the Montreal Canadiens decided, nah, we're, we're, uh, we know better. We're going to go ahead and make that pick. And just to get these both on the table at the same time, at pick 32, Chicago trots out eight women to make their selection. And maybe in a normal world, you'd go, that's progressive. I'm glad they showed that they're the women in their organization are, you know, being heard and we want to put them front and center and whatever. But it actually comes on the backdrop of Chicago being under investigation for some pretty horrendous bullshit of their own that we've talked about on this show before in terms of what happened back in 2010, uh, allegedly with Brad Eldridge and, uh, you know, sexually assaulting someone on their team. Then they fired him, but didn't report it as a crime. So he's free to move on to work with kids in universities where he apparently continues his shit. So Chicago looks bad. And this to me, um, looked like a shield, right? Putting these eight women out in front of the world to say, look what a progressive organization we are when you're under the gun, right? And and it looked fake, man. Um, it was a horrible way to end the first round with these two picks. Um, let me hand it to you. You can take whichever one of them and run with them here to start, man. Well, I think the whole thing is gross. Like from top to bottom, the whole thing is gross. I think, I mean, I don't even know where to start with that one. The fact that the Habs had the gall to pick a guy that not only did what this, this guy did, but also, like you said, specifically said, don't draft me. And that all comes on the heels of everything that the Blackhawks have done wrong in handling the Aldridge mm-hmm. situation. Um, it's like, like, let's just put aside like the gross human aspect of this, which is most of it for a second. But like, for what I do as a PR guy, I do not know how that many people at that level of hockey can all sit in a room together and say, you know what, this decision is worth the immense amount of shit that we're going right. to take for it. Like, what are you going to do? Put his name on a jersey and start start hawking that in the merch shop right off the bat as your first round selection? Like, you're get, so like, right, man. As cynical as that is, that's the like. Even if you can get your head around, I'm fine bringing this kid who, like, as recently as like three weeks ago, this is just coming to light. So he hasn't apologized. He hasn't paid any sort of. You know, you are able to get your head past all of that, even from a business sense. What is our logo going to be dragged through the mud over here, right? Like, what a shit-kicking we're going to take. And you still, in that most cynical sense, go, we're still going to do this? What is and this is all under, And this is all under the umbrella of the, you know, hockey is for everyone. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to celebrate, and rightfully so, when a player comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that's great. But to say all the right words on one, you know, in, in one minute, and then... Like, has the NHL weighed in on this? Like, I haven't, I haven't seen on the, on the Habs at all, but it's just an unbelievable contradiction to what you, like, you hope the NHL is trying to present themselves as, but clearly are coming up. The way, only way statement forward. that the Habs have, or that the league has made was that the Habs were legally allowed to do this. You are not allowed to withdraw yourself from the draft like this kid tried to do. And if they want to go ahead and make that pick, but when they made it on this horrendous, draft zoom call that this monstrosity you could see even on Bettman's face like are what are you seriously yeah, doing this stock faces yeah. yeah and you know I just I don't know what the next like where they go from here because everything that they say about this now rings super hollow and listen like when I, I, I've tweeted a couple things about this and I've had a couple people kind of be like well you don't believe in second chances blah 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 you made a mistake and I'm thinking, well, number one, of course, I believe in second chances. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, in most situations, for sure, do I think your second chance needs to be right away and it needs to be the honor of being drafted? You have to drafted. earn one. And you know what? For Again, from a PR point of view, if you guys were so hot on drafting this kid and it just happened, it had, had to happen, like no one else is going to touch him. So why not wait until the fourth or fifth round? Like if you're going to do it. And like you know, it would still it would still be terrible round broadcast Friday night at least. Right, it would still be it would still be lousy optics, but like don't do it in the first round. 
and you know the cynical the cynical guy in me thinks like yeah you know he he came out with a statement the player saying don't draft me but was that was that a sympathy ploy to PR control too? Yeah. You know, very. You know, I. You know, that's it's a weird it's a weird time, and you don't know who's advising them. And I just think that I and you know from you know I I have no respect for this player and what he did. I think it's disgusting. Um, but you know, just for him too, it's going to be a mess if he comes to camp. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're also putting him in a ridiculously unwinnable situation. And how about every kid you drafted behind him? Not only yeah. have you ruined their weekend, right? Because all the questions and, and when they show up to rookie camp and all this stuff, the whole, all the attention will be on this kid. But just in general, you think more of him than you think of me? Are you serious? Yeah. Right? Like, and what a bullshit feeling to have to it's have. Really, it's sad. And I think the saddest thing is that no one's really talking about the victim right. in all this. Like, it's just, you know, I've seen her referred to as a puck bunny and a, a rink and a rink rat and like every other random, random derogatory thing under the sun that's basically saying, well, you know, it takes two to it takes two to party or whatever. And like, no, I'm sorry. She was the victim of a sex crime. Yes. You took a picture of her that she didn't know about and then you showed it to all your other your other pervy teammates who also didn't do anything about it. So right. um, I don't know. I don't know where we're at in society where that stuff is not only happening, but is defended so passionately by so many people as being like a quote unquote kid who made a bad mistake. Like you're not, a, you're not a little kid. Like, you know, and like yep. you've, we've seen this for years. Like there's so much blowback when someone gets in, when someone's caught sharing those kinds of pictures illegally, like this isn't new. I talk to players, you know, when I, when I do my preseason media guy speech to the, whether it's the 67s or the Red Blacks, we talk a lot about, obviously it goes without saying not to do stuff like that, but just like perception on social media and how you say things and how they can be taken and not to be surprised by what shit hits the fan for stuff that like is really obviously going to get you in trouble. Right. So I don't know on what planet this player was thinking that this, you know, was not going to come back to haunt him. But I think the fact that, you know, we're at this point and it's already seeming to die down in terms of the conversation online about it, um, which worries me in a whole other Uh, way. That's exactly what they'd have been banking on, right? Is, yeah, we're going to take a blast and then it'll fade and we'll be able to carry on. And so I don't know what you do about that, but I hope there's people out there that are going to keep pushing that. And, you know, you have to, there has to be some... Like hockey skill can't trump being, you know, he may not be a shitty person. This guy, the guy may be a salt of the earth guy who made a really bad mistake, but you know, I'm hedging my bets on this one. And you know, that's, there's consequences to yes. life. And like I've paying a fine in Sweden is not a sufficient consequence. And, you know, I'm not saying the kid needs to be thrown in the clink or anything because of this. Like, I don't know all the details either, but there needs to be bigger repercussions than he's facing right now. Well, this is it, right? Because you're so right in terms of, I do think he should have been, even if he, even if it was again, in entirely cynical sense that he put out his statement to show remorse, that statement did not apologize to the victim, which is, she had said to the athletic a few weeks ago, I don't believe he's remorseful. I don't believe he understands what he's done to me. Um, and so her, her life has been thrown into turmoil and his is carrying on fine as a first round pick in the NHL draft. So whether you believe his statement saying, don't draft me this weekend was PR or spin control or whether he absolutely meant it either way, the Habs needed to take that seriously and, and absolutely um, understand that this kid isn't mature enough for this. Hasn't paid a price has let's say, you know, like you said, he deserves a second chance at some point. You earn second chances. You put your head down, you get back to work, you contribute to the community, you apologize to the victim, you just do your thing and you hope that in a year or two, you know, we all have that right in the legal system that, you know, once you pay your debt to society, you're supposed to be able to carry on with your life. And there'll probably always be a bit of a stigma that comes with you, but you've probably earned that, right? And Mm. This kid hasn't had to do any of that. Not only did he get drafted, he got drafted in the first round to the Montreal Canadiens. And I just, I can't imagine what led them to believe that that was going to be an okay thing to do. When you have a statement prepared to release with yeah, your draft that got, pick, that, that got means me too. you shouldn't have made that pick, right? 
Um, and you think if they you think they if they've been planning to draft this guy for so long, they would have been had time to prepare a better statement other than the one. But yeah, so um, um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there are so many young players that deserve to be in the spotlight for the right reasons. Yep. And there's so many of these kids that got drafted that are getting overshadowed by this nonsense. Yeah, this is one of the biggest stories coming out of the draft now. And and then and then again, like I just feel horrible for this for this young woman. And I think I have a my little sister is 18, turning 19, and I just can't like I can't imagine how I would feel if that was you know her or some one of her friends in that kind of situation with a guy doing something like that. And it just it, the the whole thing makes me sick. And I again, like I do believe in second chances. Yep. I hope he redeems himself, and yep. I think he you know say the right things and follow it up with action and. You know, I don't believe that his whole life should be ruined forever. Irre- if he makes the right moves this. from here, we can talk. But you have to make those moves first. And he hasn't done yeah. that yet. No. And, you know, he, it's going to be harder for him now, too, of I course. think, with this. with this the pre- And, like, Montreal is not exactly a an easy media no. city. He didn't get drafted right, to right. Columbus where you can maybe hide and whatever. This is Montreal. I, and as we're talking about, you know, the Blackhawks situation and what they did at pick 32, Mark Bergevin, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, was on the management team in 2010 yeah. in Chicago, where they're, you he's trying to make it up. You can't make this stuff up. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. He's tied to that one too, right? And you start to question the judgment of whatever. And I, I it's going to be a long, long time, man, before I'm prepared to hear all this talk that always goes on about Montreal being, you know, the classiest organization in the league or whatever. The Canadians are any team. Montreal is any place. It's just another bullshit pro sports organization that saw a chance to draft a kid who probably is first round talented fall to them when he wouldn't have otherwise because of, you know, off ice stuff. And they're just going to draft him. They're going to wait for it to blow over. And hopefully in a couple of years, they've got themselves a great player and to hell with the consequences. But uh, to me, the reputation of, of Mark Bergevin, Trevor Timmons and the Montreal Canadiens, I, man, I, I don't have a lot of time right now for anything they have to say on the subject. It's all, it's all shit that you got to let this kid go and earn himself a chance to be drafted. Um, at least apologize to the victim, at least, you know, you don't just draft him in the first round and uh, somehow, somehow, there's a lot of work work to be done now by the Habs too. They put themselves in a position where they have to do more now because like, it's just going to be every, I mean, I hope at every press conference for the foreseeable future, they are asked about that. That's what I'm saying. This shouldn't go away, right? This shouldn't be a one weekend story and, you know, he'll do a couple of, I don't even know, PR sensitivity class, the stupid shit that we let people go through and then assume that they're just done. No, you got to go and earn this. And, and he hasn't. And, and it bugs me now that, uh, that it probably does just get swept under the rug, like so many of these other things. And like you say, I, I just, I don't know how they recover from this other than the fact that the storm probably just blows over and that's bullshit. Cause it's not going to for her. Nope. No, that's a really good point, and it's 100% right. That's not going away for, for some of the people, especially her involved in this, and hopefully it doesn't go away for him or the Habs anytime soon either. We'll right. keep talking. I'll keep talking about it. For sure, man. Um, free agency opening up this week. The, ha- uh, the the Senators still got a couple of things you know to do. A lot of people calling out. They want Kachuk lined up or signed, then throw that C on the jersey for him. Where do you stand on that? Is he uh, see the next captain, the Ottawa Senators, and and what kind of contract are they going to look at for him? Hundred percent, I think he should be. He is the captain. He should be the captain. Um, I don't understand <laughs> hockey if he's not the captain. Um, he's literally everything you want a captain to be. He's he's a he's tough. He's a team guy. He he's a cheerleader. He's a, obviously an incredibly good hockey player. But he'll play like he'll play that like the power forward game too, and be your be your community guy, and you know be the guy who brings the kids out onto the ice and goes to Chio by himself without fanfare and all that kind of you stuff. You probably like saw if, the video. Even I had to tip my cap. It was before the pandemic, where the hat- no, it was before that uh, that someone was sitting down at um, the lieutenant's pump and watched him walk by on Elgin Street and ran out and said, you know. 
my wife and I are getting, or my girlfriend and I are getting married tomorrow. Will you take yeah. a picture with us? And he stopped in the freezing cold and took a picture with the two of them out on the street. Like just stupid shit like that. You're like, that's the guy you want leading. That's your what you want. Yeah. And I do, you need to put more guys around him. You need, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to go out and get his brother and make everyone crazy, but I don't know <laughs> how, that, uh, how realistic that is or if, or if Matthew still wants out of Calgary, but um, how fun would that be? Like Not he's a guy you can play fan. against, but no, <laughs> but yeah, you need, and then you're going to obviously have to fill in some more, you know, pure, pure skill guys um, to go, to go with that. But um, I don't know. I'm like, I think contract wise for Brady, like it seems like a lot of people assume that it's going to be some kind of bridge contract. I hope they give him a long-term one and I hope he takes it. I think a guy like that only comes around so often you got to yeah, lock him up. Well, your owner so, is known for long-term it, big expensive it's deals. Not my, yeah. It's not my G it's not my money and I'm not the GM, but I'd <laughs> give him pretty much whatever he wants. Like in, according to market value right now and um, give him a long-term deal. Cause the sense we've been through so much misery and I, you know, we just need, we just need a break. <laughs> Sure. From an outsider's perspective, I believe that the business smart, like both from his side and maybe the teams, I probably do believe in the three-year deal. For him, I want this pandemic shit to go away. So the cap's going up, there's money in the system and you can really pay me. And for the team, I want to see for sure what those offensive numbers look like before I give you the big long-term money. But as you suggest, man, from a marketing perspective, from the health of the franchise perspective, from the boost they got when they signed Shabbat long-term and Colin White at the time, and I know people don't love that contract now, but those happened in the same summer. I think you could give this market as you're going to open up again and try to start selling tickets again, if you could come in and just say, we signed Brady Kachuk and made him captain for eight years, uh, it might be worth the risk, right? It might be worth it. It'll for sure sell tickets. Yeah. And, and then they've got other decisions to make, you know, like what's how, what's going to happen to Logan Brown? Like, is the, is the team done with, with that project? Um, otherwise, you know, a guy like, uh, Batherson's an RFA, I think, Mm -hmm. and I gotta, gotta get that done. But otherwise there's not like, a whole lot I'm worried about from the sense perspective of free agency, lose oh, some dead weight that you don't, that you don't need. I know exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's not a bad list. You know, this contract situation is pretty good. Get, uh, got to get Philip Gustafson signed up and he's going to be the next, should be the next big thing and goal for us at yeah. some point. So, um, no, I think free agency is always an interesting time. I'd love it if Ottawa went out and grabbed a, you know, big money guy, but we all know how that usually goes in this market. Well, so. who, who do you think on the market this year? Do you got a name that you'd like to see like a Gabriel Landeskog or like to oh, me? Well, I mean, of course, uh, like a, a Landeskog, I just think is a guy that can try, uh, like Kachuk can almost be in a couple That's of years. Like, it might be repetitive, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like who, who, like, I mean, I'd love to go out and get a, you know, reclamation project on a Jack Eichel <laughs> or something, but the price would be, um, yeah, you're giving away at and, least Stutzel and then we'll see. Right? right. And there's, and there's no chance. So, um, I don't know, maybe we don't need that. Um, I like, I, it's more from a money standpoint. There's so much of it you can spend if you want to go ahead and get that guy, but it's not a fit. And I'm, I'm, I loved watching the Sens play, uh, down the stretch this year. So, uh, young, I'm all for young guys. The older Wiley veteran thing has not worked well for this team in the last <laughs> no. couple of years. So. No Tyler um, Johnson this time. No Derek Stepan. No, yeah. no. Like Eric I don't like Stepan. Like that seemed like a nice dude, but got hurt and didn't want to be here by all accounts. So, got <laughs> um, Branson. Like just man, like slice. We're all on the Zoob train like, now. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I you know I'm for the first time as a sense fan in a while. I'm like it's going kind of in the like along at the pace in the direction that I'm okay with. I'm reasonably optimistic about. All right. Uh, well, we can start to wind this one down here. I know it's going to be harder and harder to get a hold of you once the season uh, kicks off, so I'm glad we were able to... Uh... Always got time for you, buddy. Hey, like like that. As long as I'm not late, right? That's, that's like... <laughs> yeah, you got to be punctual once we get into the season. You know, it can't happen. Waiting on that, <laughs> no. waiting on that uh, Red Blacks press pass to show up, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here as the, the season gets closer. Mm-hmm. Maybe do a live show from practice one day. Hey, we like that. Um, this has been great, man. There's a it's, there's a ton going on as we talked about for late July. This is not normally this busy a time. Um, we didn't even get to a team USA. The dream nah. team loses their their uh, their Olympic opener to France here nah, in men's nah. basketball. 
can't even believe it. But uh, there's a ton going on, man. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll get you back on and, and do this again for everybody else. Uh, Michaela Schreider returns on Thursday morning for her usual slot. Screeds. Yeah. Screeds is what we call her. Screeds on screeds. So that's coming up. Uh, Rob will be back after a couple weeks of vacation. He's rented himself a little cottage. And then I may disappear for a while in August and start hosting from Lakeside uh, that uh, little property we talked about from uh, the beginning of the show. Maybe I'll post that video so the rest of you can see what uh, <laughs> what a joy it was and why Hoff was willing to dog me over it. But uh, maybe do a couple of Lakeside podcasts towards the end of August as I maybe try and duck out of here. But we will keep these coming at you. We won't disappear on you. I know a lot of these sports shows disappear in the summer. It's not us. We don't do that. So as long as there's craft beer to be drank, we'll be here. Yes, sir. Uh, for Chris Hoffley, who is on Twitter at Chris Hoffley and on Instagram at Hoff on Sports, my name is Matt Robinson in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. We will see you all next time. Thanks, Ben. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.